So before I get started, I'm just going to tell you all a little bit about Australia because I'm sure you want to know. Um, I do not have the accent and I cannot fake the accent. I'm really bad at it and they say don't do it when I try. So, um, But it's really interesting because I got a car. So I have been driving there and it is on the other side of the road. So when I got back, I was kind of like, um, but it's not that hard because obviously I know the roads here. The worst part is the turning signal is on the other side. So I'm constantly hitting the windshield wipers going, oh, dang it, like, go to the other side. But So that's pretty interesting. I was driving some of my friends the other day just in a parking lot, and they're like, Erica, you're on the wrong side. And I'm like, oh, sorry, and I, like, pull over. But it's okay. I, I promise it's safe. It'll be okay. But um, I am attending Bible college at Dunamis International College of Ministries, and the senior pastor there is Pastor Sean. And... Um, I don't know if you guys would know him, probably not, but he was in Houston for a couple years as a youth pastor at the Net Church. So that's how I know him, because he knew Pastor Darren and all this other stuff. So that's how I met him. Um, I am a part of the youth leadership team. I am helping to lead the drama team down there, and I was an intern for children's ministry, so I have a lot of experience now, but I also have a lot of appreciation for the leadership here. I understand what what the admin looks like. I understand all the the behind-the-scenes parents calling and all that stuff, so I have a great appreciation for, for Pastor Eric and Shelley and everyone else who works in the office now. Um, let's see what else. I have a lot of great friends and I have made my own family there because they say home is where the heart is. Well, I took my heart with me, so I made a home there as well. So it's been really fun. I've learned submission to a whole new level, which is really fun. I'm enjoying it a lot, but it was cool because I just recently moved into my own apartment. I'm sharing with another girl from the church, so I'm, um, experiencing independence again. I'm really, I'm really liking that, but, um, I guess we should probably go ahead and get started. I'm just going to pray really quickly and then get right into it. Daddy God, I just thank you. And I praise you for who you are. I thank you that you have a word in season for night for tonight. And I thank you that you will use me as your vessel. And I just pray that you will have your way in Jesus name. Amen. All right. Before I get started, I'm going to tell you, I say, 2 Corinthians instead of 2 Corinthians now. So if you hear that, don't go, oh, that's weird. That's just how they do it there. So I caught on to that. Um, I'm going to first start off with um, this passage in 2 Corinthians 3.17. And Paul wrote it. It says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. I carry the spirit of God with me. So tonight you have the opportunity to tap into into liberty. You have the opportunity to go to the next level of freedom. And not only that, but you carry the spirit of God with you. So wherever you go, you constantly have the opportunity to be releasing freedom, to be letting other people grab onto it and say, hey, what do you have? What is different about you? It's because you carry it with you. It's something that you are. All right, I'm going to get started now. <laughs> A lot of times we hear um, people joke and they're like, oh yeah, I've arrived. But tonight, I'm here to tell you, I have arrived. You have arrived. You are a champion. I'm not saying this in pride. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this in confidence. If it, if it weren't for the grace of God, I would not be able to stand in front of you and speak to you. If it weren't for his grace, I would not be alive right now. Who knows what, what would be going on if it weren't for his grace. But in 
Paul also wrote in the book of 2 Corinthians 2.18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of God are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the spirit of the Lord. So it's a progressive thing. It's from glory to glory. We're constantly moving. We're constantly changing if we choose to. Sometimes we need to just look back. We need to reminisce. Even as this year is coming to a close, it's important to look back and do some, important to look back and do some self-evaluation. How far have I come? Let's see how far we've come. That challenge over there, that one, I used to be addicted to smoking, but I'm not anymore. That is a challenge. That is something that you have overcome. I used to be a liar, but I'm not anymore. Now I can recognize what's going on. And even if I did tell a lie, I can go back and repent and tell the truth. This is the issue that some people have, though. They look back and they can't see the accomplishments. All they can see is the negative stuff. They say, oh, did you see what I did right there? Or did you see what I didn't do? It's always the should have or the could have. But because of a should have or could have mentality, we open the door for a can't mentality. And my gymnastics teacher always said, can't never did anything. Check this out. We as a culture, as a society, are so focused on what we do. We get honored for what we do. We get paid for what we do. We get medals for what we do. But it becomes an issue when we find our identity in what we do. One example can be the parable of the prodigal son, which Pastor Eric actually mentioned earlier. So, But we all know this parable. It's because of a son who decided to take his inheritance and leave his father's house. In the book of 1513, it stated... And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. When Jesus told the story of the son, he did not ever refer to him as the prodigal son. He referred to him, him as a son who did prodigal living, but he never said this was a prodigal son. We give the son that label. We say he is a prodigal son. But he wasn't. He was a son who did stuff. And we give him the label because of what he did. Even the son's father did not focus on what the son had done. He welcomed him in. He accepted him. He threw a party for him. And he was so excited. He even gave him his ring, which represents authority. Even though the son had gone and done all this stuff, the father still honored him and still trusted him. The father saw the son's identity apart from what he did. That is how God is. He accepts us. It does not matter what we have done, what we plan to do. If we ever plan to change, he will always accept us. It does not mean that he approves of what we're doing. Because whenever a father loves his, his son or his daughter, it's unconditional. And he accepts them. But it does not mean that he approves of everything that's going on. Recently, a man named um, Jamie Englehart, he's from Michigan, came to Australia, and he helped to shine some light on the, on the story of Zacchaeus. I, always, I think of the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. But um, it's really interesting. It, if you want to go there, it's in the book of Luke 19. 
1 to 10. I'm just going to read a little bit. Actually, I'll probably read all of it. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. Now, before I, before I go on, I just want to highlight on that. He could not see Jesus because of the crowd. Now, who were the people who ran with Jesus? Of course, there were the disciples. You know, they're cool. But there were all, also the religious people. There were the, the people who were constantly bickering and saying, you're, nev- you're not enough. You'll never measure up. They're also the people who were a part of the crowd. And Zacchaeus couldn't actually get to Jesus because he was short. So many times we feel short. It's the pressures of life and the stuff that's pressing down on us. We're going, oh, I'm feeling so short right now. Obviously, we wouldn't really say that, but, but we feel that way. And when people feel that way and it, they're trying to get to Jesus, sometimes it's the crowd that's following him that are keeping them from really seeing him. But there's hope. There is hope. So, um, so he ran and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was going to pass that way. And in the book of Psalms 1, it says, We are to be like a tree planted by rivers of living water that bear forth fruit in season. So I have a question for you. Whose tree are you? Who is climbing up you and picking fruit? And if they are picking fruit, is it good fruit? Are they tasting good things? Are they like, mmm, delicious? Or are they saying, mmm, I don't really know if I want a part, uh, to be a part of that. I don't really know if... If I'm okay with that, because I don't really like this person's attitude. Like they say they're a Christian, they have all the talk, but they're, what they're doing is, I'm getting mixed signals here. Or are they like, wow, this person is genuine. They're authentic. I want a piece of that. I want to be a part of that. All right, I'm just going to keep going. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. They saw Zacchaeus for what he had done. They saw Zacchaeus' identity and what he had done. And they said, that's who he is because of what he's been doing. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if, I, if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore, I restore four, fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son, son of man has come to seek and save that which was lost. Now, salvation is a person. It's not something that... Oh, I'm seeking it out. What is it? Salvation is a person. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the truth, and tr- truth shall set you free. So um, this is the interesting part. Jesus accepted Zacchaeus first. He didn't say, okay, Zacchaeus, first you have to believe. Then you have to repent and get it right. Then I'll accept you. No, no, no. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. I accept you no matter what you did, no matter what you look like, no matter what you plan to do, I accept you. And then Zacchaeus changed. It was a fruit. Jesus sowed acceptance. He, he sowed unconditional love. And then what he reaped was just that. 
was love and he, he was giving out of himself. We cannot find our identity in what we have done. If we did, we would walk around and say, oh, I'm a pathological liar or I'm a pornographer or I'm a thief. No, I am a child of God. I have been saved by grace. We have to find our identity in God. We have to, uh, to find our identity in his embrace, in his presence. In order for us to really be able to find our identity in God, we have to be willing to let him go deep. We have to be willing to let him go past those walls. I know I talked about that last time, but for some reason it's reoccurring. My friend Charlene recently sent me an email about being wounded. And I'm just going to read a little excerpt from it. Unconditional love binds up the hurt and broken parts. But first, it has to remove the infected parts if you have left, left it too long. Then he has to clean it out. Only then can it be bound. Too often, we skip over the pain and just bind it up. But all that does is hide it. It brings death when it is left bandaged and untouched, when it is left ignored. You have to let him remove the infection and clean out the wound, then bind it. Eventually, it brings healing, but first you have the pain. Because you can't see underneath the, the bandage and all you feel is the pain, you need to trust the person who knows what's going on underneath. He knows best. And she definitely said that from experience. So I appreciate it. I actually got that email today. And I was like, that's perfect. I'm going to use it. And I asked her and she's like, yeah, that's cool. But we have, to be lo- we have to be willing to let God bring exposure. We cannot just try to sew up the wound and hide it and hope it will just feel better and it'll just go away. God is a good God. He is a good daddy. He only has your best intentions at heart. He is sitting and waiting for you to crawl up into his lap. The thing is people think if they come to God all think if they come to God all he will speak about is the bad stuff and the negative stuff about him. Okay, when you're a sinner, you don't need anyone to tell you that you're sinning. You know what's wrong. Okay? God doesn't have to remind you of what you did or your attitude. You don't need to go out on the street and say, you're a sinner. They know. Okay. They know they're doing wrong. He doesn't need to remind you. He says over you, you are my child. I have a plan and a purpose for your life. I love you because I love you, because I love you, because I love you, because I love you, because that is who I am, because that is what I do. We must always understand that that everyone that we come into contact with, each and every individual person, has the potential to be a child of God. We need to respect that. Just because they have a bad attitude, or they're hurting you, or they're taking your place in line, or whatever, generally the reason why people hurt people is because they've been hurt. So we have to look past it. We have to look past the hurt and see people's potential. We have to say, you know what? You have the ability to be a child of God. Not literally say it to them because then they'll be like, weirdo, whatever. But we have to respect them for that. You have arrived. You are a champion. You will come through this season. In in the book of Isaiah 35, 6. I'm just going to turn there. 
it says, For water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So even when we feel like, you know what, God, I cannot feel you right now. I cannot hear you. Where are you at? You said that you would show up in this situation, in this circumstance, and you haven't yet. But you know what? We have to get past it. We have to go. You know what, God, I might not understand it, and I might not feel you right now, but I'm going to choose to trust you anyways. You said that you would spring forth water in the desert and springs in the wilderness, and I'm trusting that you're going to do that. But this is the best part. If we're really like trees, the best time that tree, or the only time when tree roots grow is during a drought when they have to seek out moisture because there's not any moisture around them. The only way we can have growth and we can stretch is if we go through one of those times. If we're challenged, if we're tested, that's whenever we know that that character is going to be proven and then we can go to that next level, go to the new level of glory. You are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. So if you are more than a conqueror, that means that you've already been a conqueror means you've already conquered stuff. That's what I said. Look back in the year. What have you overcome this year? Sorry, I fully just read the sign. Cool. Welcome home, America. Anyways, ATT. Um, but you have to look back and go, where did I come from? I'm not really sure where I was at right then. Oh, more than a conqueror. Sorry. So that means that you've already overcome and you're becoming more and more. You're becoming more and more and more like Christ. I cannot emphasize this enough. Your value, your value and your worth does not depend on what you have done or what has been done to you. God values you for who you are. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know what? I always, I always heard this. If you were the last person on the earth and, and you were the only one Jesus had to die for, he would have done it for you. But it's true. He would not have done it with a second thought. He would not have looked back and gone like, man, I kind of regret that. No, he would have still made the same decision. You are worth it. You are worth it. You are valuable. You are the apple of his eye. You're his favorite. We have to, to train ourselves to, appro- to approach God for who he is and not what he can do for us. If he loves us and values us for who, who, for who we are, then we have to remember that we should go to him for who he is. We should value him for who he is. One of my friends, Candace, said we should go to him for, go, go to him for his heart, not his hands. Go to him for who he is, not what he can do for us. We are moving from glory to glory. Look back and see how far you've come. So I don't really have anything else. That was pretty short, but I'm just going to pray and then release it back to Pastor Eric, I guess. Daddy God, I just thank you and praise you for who you are. God, I thank you that your, your value for us is not dependent on anything but yourself. God, I thank you that you have a plan and a destiny for each and every one of our lives. I thank you that whatever was supposed to be shared today was, and people will receive something from it. I thank you for your presence and for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, I just dropped it.